Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. As this year draws to a close, you know, we might look back and reflect on the growth, the changes, difficulties that each of us has experienced. But then we might look toward to the future, forward, and contemplate, consider that word hope. We ponder our eternal hope. You know, the character strength of hope implies a person has positive expectations about the future to focus on good things to come. It's an action-oriented strength demonstrated through one's motivation and confidence regarding the future. And it reminds me of Hebrews 11.1. Here's an insight that we get from Scripture. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. Yes, we walk by faith with the assurance of things hoped for. You know, while we might be very familiar with many of the characters found in Luke chapter 2, I'd like to propose there are two less known characters in Luke 2, a particular man and a woman who exhibit strong qualities of trust, confidence, And yes, hope in God, their Heavenly Father. These two had lived their lives in an admirable and commendable fashion. There's much we can learn from Simeon and Anna. Let's begin in verse 22 of Luke 2. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they, Joseph and Mary, brought him... Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. And you know, Brenda, it's important for us to better understand the importance of purification In the Jewish sacrificial system, every synagogue, and especially the temple in Jerusalem, had areas designated for purification. They're called a mikvah, or mikvot, when there's more than one. And and in recent years, many of these have been discovered around the base of the southern steps in Jerusalem, leading up to the Temple Mount. Um, When we were in Israel, we visit other Jewish sites, synagogues, ancient synagogues. We see the remains of these mikvah. Again, what's the purpose? Why is it necessary to have these baptismal pools, these cleansing pools? Well, Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4 gives us the insight. It says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place? Only he who has clean hands and a pure heart. When we come before the Lord, we must have clean hands. In other words, we must go through this ceremonial cleansing and say, Lord, I I want my heart to be clean. I I need my hands to be clean. I can't come and pray to you unless there's been purification. And, And this outward cleansing is really looking for God to do what only he can do, which is an inward cleansing. We take the outward steps, but only God can cleanse our heart. 
And in Mary's situation, purification was necessary because she'd given birth. She had shed blood in the giving of birth. And following the birth of the son, the, the mother had to wait 40 days before going to the temple to offer sacrifices for her purification. If a couple could afford it, they sacrificed a lamb. If they couldn't afford it, they sacrificed two doves or two pigeons. And that's what Mary and Joseph did because they were very limited financially. And continue reading in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah, the Lord's anointed one. And Luke tells us about the, another older man, even earlier in Luke 1, Zacharias and his godliness. Well, now Simeon, here's a devout man. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. And even his name means one who hears, but not just hears, one who obeys what he hears. Uh, that's what a righteous and devout man is, and that's how he's described. And he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit is upon him, and he's revealed to him, giving him wisdom and insight, um, sustaining him even in his old age. And his heart is filled with hope. He, he'd he waited for years. We don't know how many years, but he's been told, uh, you, you will see this consolation for Israel. And he has this great expectation that he will see the Lord's Christ. This expectation, this anticipation is active. I can just imagine Simeon counting the days until God revealed what he had promised to him personally. But he had to wait. He needed to wait patiently. And this brings a head to heart, and and this doesn't surprise you, Brendan, but I'll just be honest with you, the listeners. Um, Waiting is not something that comes easily to me. One of my dad's favorite expressions was, get up and get to work. The solution for everything was just work a little harder. And we learned that, even being raised on a farm, we learned how to work hard. But in God's design, we are often called to wait. And while we wait, we need to trust, and we need to hope in Him. And this requires patience, as sometimes days and even weeks and months, sometimes years, sometimes decades pass. And we continue to wait, and we continue to hope, and we continue the best we can to trust. Yeah, and I... I love that phrase in the verses you just read, waiting for the consolation of Israel. You know, this represents the Jewish people waiting for years, hundreds of years. I mean, we know from the end of Malachi, the end of the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, until the first verse in Matthew 1, that's that's at least 400 years there. There had been complete silence, nothing from God. And they're waiting for the fulfillment of these words, the promises that were spoken by the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, all speaking of this one who would come, God's promise, the fulfillment. Well, even today, we continue to wait. Yes, Jesus has come, but we have that longing and desire in our hearts as we set our focus on Christ and his return, his call for us to go and be with him for all of eternity. And we think of these words the Apostle Paul shares in Romans 8.22, and and I'm just going to pull some phrases from some other versions of the scriptures just to help us understand. 
we wait for the redemption of our bodies, right? We, we've experienced that gift of salvation, those who have trusted in Christ as our personal savior. And so we're, we're saved. We've had that kind of salvation that we've experienced, but, but we're not free from this world. We're from all that surrounds us, the hard times, the trials, the impact of sin in this world that we live in. And so we continue in our waiting, but the longer we wait, the more joyful our expectancy will be. And so is true even looking back in history, we've got the Israelites, the Jewish people are in the land, and they had many, many armies come against them. We talked about, well, we went through history, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks came, the Romans, and now even in this time of Jesus' birth, the Roman rule over Israel. Israel had been ruled by foreign nations. And these people, the Jewish people are waiting for, they are hoping for one who will deliver them to set the captives free. You know, Brenda, and with this as historical background, with this as even the religious system background, um, Simeon comes into the temple day after day, having been promised that he would see this consolation, that Israel that's being ruled and reigned by these Gentile foreign powers, that there's coming a time when the king of kings would come and he would set them free. And he came in the spirit, it's continuing in Luke 2, 27. He came in the spirit into the temple. This is Simeon. And when the parents brought him the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of law, he, Simeon, he took up this child in his arms and he blessed God. And he said, and even as he's saying this, Simeon has this close personal relationship. He truly walked with God. And he comes to the temple day after day. And at the precise moment when Mary and Joseph arrive with the infant Jesus, according to the scriptures, Simeon takes this child and he holds him up and he blesses God. And by the way, we would assume that Mary and Joseph, but definitely Mary has been holding this child But this is the first person, other than his mother, to hold the baby Jesus in his arms. And when he does, he doesn't hold him unto himself. He holds him up to God, and he blesses God. I I can only imagine the thrill for him, because he realized, my waiting is done. He's now here. And he speaks these words of blessing uh, to God, but also to us. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. What he means is, I I can now die in peace according to your word, because I've seen what you had promised me. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples. Lord, you've been preparing this for all these decades, for these centuries. You've been preparing this. This child will be revelation to the Gentiles, and he will be glory for your people, Israel. And and summarizing these, these few verses, This child will be the salvation of the world. This child will deliver truth to those in Israel, but also to the Gentiles. He will bring words that they need to hear, words of truth and words of salvation. And because of this, Jesus will bring glory to the people of Israel and really glory to his heavenly Father. He will be the glory of God among the people of Israel And even as I say these words, I'm reminded of the Christmas carol written by Charles Wesley, um, quoting from this Christmas carol, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man 
with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And you know, while you're always so good to recall the words from hymns that, that apply to the biblical text that we are, we are discussing and going over. And I, I love that. Um, it, because it, it brings that alive that, that Charles Wesley drew these words from scripture and another phrase in that same hymn, light and life to all he brings, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Jesus is God's gift to a world in need of God's hope. Again, let me say that Jesus is God's gift to a world in need of God's hope. And and I say, what about his father and mother, as they must have been somewhat stunned, even shocked, as this elderly man takes their precious baby and holds him. He proclaims these words of blessing to the Lord right there in the temple. And his father and his mother marveled at what Simeon said. And then, After Simeon offers words of blessing to God, he now blesses Mary and Joseph. And I love this next verse. Simeon blessed them, the man and woman chosen to be the earthly parents of God's son. And he said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. You see, some people, Jewish people, would believe that Jesus is the consolation of Israel. Others would reject him. They would not believe. There will be much opposition to Jesus in the future. Jesus will reveal the truth. While you just said that earlier, again, we see that he will reveal the truth. And Jesus' suffering would cause Mary much pain. You know, in the years ahead, Mary would experience many trials, struggles, ridicule, and adversity. And of course, culminating after 33 years of Jesus' life, she would witness the sacrificial death of her firstborn son on Calvary's cross. Yes, truly a sword would pierce through Mary's own soul. And you think with those words that this powerful, meaningful testimony of Simeon, that that now the story's over. But God has one more important witness to add to the testimony of this child, um, a witness to come and offer salvation and consolation and redemption. That needs the testimony of two witnesses. And in comes the prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She's advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and probably in her mid-twenties, then as a widow until she was 84. Imagine that. For all these years, she's lived as a widow, and she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Yeah, and it's amazing to think it's very likely she lived at the temple for 60 years. Yeah, six, imagine that. You've, you've lived and served there, and you're waiting, and you're just serving the Lord. Lord, what would you have me to do? These two people, 
Simeon and Hannah both were reaching the end of their life, and that's precisely when Joseph and Mary bring Christ into the temple. And head to heart here now is this aspect of hope and waiting and patience. I've already told you, I don't do that well. But grace often appears when we have no resources of our own to meet the needs that are at hand. And during these times, we must place our trust in the Lord. I have to lean into him in prayer. I have to lean into him in song. I have to lean into him in reading his word and trusting and waiting on him. You know, and as this father exclaimed, reading into his son's heart, I love this in the Gospels, this father brings his child and he says, Lord, if you could, you could save my son. The Lord says, if I could, if you believe he can be saved, he can be healed. And this person said what I often say, Lord, I believe, but would you help my unbelief? Yeah, such a great verse. Lord, help my unbelief. There are two witnesses in the temple that day, one man and one woman. We are told that Simeon was righteous and devout, and Anna, a prophetess, did not leave the temple. She lived there for many decades, even possibly as long as 60-plus years. She was devoted to worship, fasting, and prayer, a faithful woman, day and night. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You see, Anna, Anna gave thanks to God. And then she told others who were waiting for this redemption to come. This child has come to earth. She saw him with her very own eyes. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, We offer words of praise and adoration to you today. The Son of God has come to earth. He is our wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. And we pray each one listening today would see your gift of salvation and receive his gift of everlasting life. Today, we offer words of adoration to you. You are Emmanuel, God with us, our Redeemer and King. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And friends, we wish you a happy new year. Until our next time together, may you continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.